1: 5,733 matches, 4,591 of those having come in the league. Well, with Liverpool not set to be in action for a good while, it allows us here on the Blood Red podcast to bring you a new series of classic matches as we look back through the archives at some of Liverpool's greatest games the players to have featured in them and the seasons which those matches formed part of. I'm Guy Clark, and joining me on the Blood Red podcast, as he has done along the road to Istanbul, is our resident Red, Dan K. Dan, how are you? I'm all right, thanks,
0: Guy. Not too bad at all. Looking forward to a a nice little trip down memory lane.
1: I have to say that we are actually, Dan, backed by popular demand as well. I posted in the Blood Red podcast Facebook group at the start of, obviously, the the uncertain time we've we've headed into, and uh, Mm. Sean McGavin and... uh, Keon Mulligan, two people in particular, to say that they've enjoyed the road to Istanbul and would like a, a bit more nostalgia. So it's uh, it's those two gentlemen that we have to thank for this. And uh, great like stuff, thanks, it's, a, it's it's a pleasure to uh, to be able to bring this kind of content to them.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and it's we're very fortunate as Liverpool supporters as well. We've got a great present and hopefully a great future to look forward to. We're never going to be short of uh, great days and moments and matches to look back on and, and reminisce over and. Uh, You know, I don't think we're quite in this position, but the famous line from the old 70s TV show, The Lightly Lads, the only thing to look forward to is the past. Well, you know, there's there's plenty to enjoy there. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into it.
1: Yeah, as I said, we've got 5, 000, over 5,700 games we could pick and choose from, but we're not going to go through all of them. It depends <laughs> how long the, this, of course, not all lasts. Not once. But, uh, no, certainly not all at once. The game we're going to be looking at today is an on-this-day game that happened on the 22nd of March 2014. So we're going back just six years, but it's hard to believe that it is actually six years ago that Liverpool travelled down to the Welsh capital to take on Cardiff City in the midst of a uh, title battle with Manchester City at the top of the Premier League and Liverpool ran out 6-3 winners. They were scoring goals by the lorry load by this stage of the season and you yourself, Dan, were down there and, I mean, it it must have been a magical time to be a Red.
0: It was. um, It was a really, really special season, particularly the kind of like that run that we went on from, you know, just before Christmas onwards. The momentum we generated, really, I think, because it came out of nowhere. You know, it was only Brendan Rodgers' second season in charge. Um I think at the start of the season all Liverpool were really hoping was, Well, let's try and get back in the Champions League because Liverpool actually hadn't Liverpool hadn't even qualified for Europe um in twenty twelve thirteen. So but but, but it, it was it just seemed to have a snowball effect. And by this stage, you know, it was what, you know, towards the end of March. You were just starting to get that feeling that the the, the week before Liverpool had gone to Old Trafford and won three 0 and um which I think was the fifth or sixth game in that eleven match beaten run that took us to the obviously to the very brink of the title, and unfortunately we all know what happened afterwards. But it, things were starting to snowball, and um, I think it, for, for me personally, that game at Old Trafford was the first time I really started to think this this actually really might happen. Until then, we've been playing well, but there was always that kind of feeling in the back of your mind: "Come on, this this is this is the modern era, Liverpool. We'll find a way to trip ourselves up." But it wasn't happening. And, and having gone, you know, Alex Ferguson always said during United's era of dominance, when they would come to Anfield and have a good result, um, well, you, you know, on the way to winning a championship, well, this is the place you have to come and prove your mettle if you want to win a league. And I think I always certainly felt that way about them. And even if obviously it wasn't their greatest time with David Moyes as manager, to go there and win as convincingly and comfortably as we did 3-0 and it could have been more gerunds the penalty were all over them really for pretty much the entire match. It was very much a feeling that with whatever it was six, seven, eight games to go um, Liverpool were all of a sudden really in the midst of a title race but going down to Cardiff uh, for I think what would have been the first league game against them for many, many years decades they were fighting for their lives um, against relegation with ex manchester United player Ole Gunnar Solskjaer temporarily in charge so I think we knew that uh, it would not necessarily be easy and and it certainly didn't prove to be in the first half at least.
1: No, certainly not. They were a side card if going into the game sitting 19th in the table. As you said, they were in a relegation battle, three points below the dotted line. As for Liverpool, actually went into the game four points behind Chelsea, but did have a game in hand. Of course, that was Chelsea with... Jose Mourinho back at the uh, the helm for the uh, second time of asking. But before we even get into the running, Dan, and just talking of the season generally, mentioned before that obviously <laughs> Liverpool started scoring goals for fun, certainly even just before Christmas, as you alluded to before. But even the start of the season, it, there wasn't a feeling yeah. that even from pre-season and the signings brought in and the feeling around the club even then that this was going to be a season where everything clicked. Obviously, Coutinho and Sturridge had arrived the year before and the back end of the previous season had been quite good in big yeah. Suarez was obviously suspended for the first part of this season for mm-hmm. that incident with Ivanovic at Anfield at the, the end of the, the previous season but 3-1-0 yep. wins to start the season off before drawing with Swansea and losing to Southampton. I think the third one, crucially in that one, for me, you mentioned the, the away win at, at Manchester United, but also the home win on the eve of what would have been Bill Shankly's 100th birthday. That's it, right. It, it, it was a big occasion for the Kop. It was a big occasion for Liverpool Football Club as a whole. And it was one that they certainly stood up to and there were going to be plenty of big hurdles to go through the course of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it was it, it, the season did get off to a great start. You know, with, with those three one nil wins. You know, the opening game was w- was quite memorable uh, against, against Stoke City. Daniel Sturridge scored a great goal in the first half at the Anfield Road end, and then in the very last minute, <clears throat> Stoke got a penalty. And I think we all thought, "Oh, here we go again." And you know, I often kind of feel you know, the, the opening weekend can set the tone sometimes. But uh, Simon Minniele on his debut made a great double save from initially from John Walters a spot kick and then got up and Schmeichel style kind of did a starfish jump and, and managed to block the follow-up from, I think, Kenwyn Jones. Um, and so those, those first three games kind of got Liverpool up and running. Um, the United game, as you say, was a very special occasion. The day before, the great man Bill Shankly's 100th birthday, there was a wonderful mosaic on the Kop. Uh, Liverpool scored a very early goal. It, 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 one of the unusual things about those three 1-0s was Daniel Sturridge got, yeah. got the only goal each time. And, you know, you, you, even United were the champions, it was incredible to think. Now, you know, Nearly seven years ago, that, that is their most recent championship. And even if I think we were all aware that it wasn't a vintage United side, you know, even as recently as like three or four years before when they had the likes of Tevez and Rooney and Ronaldo, they were still champions. And, you know, they are, you know, they were still, in many ways, the barometer, the yardstick that you set yourself by. So we got ourselves going. And then there was no, the, you know, a draw at Swansea and a home defeat to Southampton with the, the only goal, ironically, being scored by Dejan Lovren. Um, and, we, we, you know, we got ourselves back up and running we with, you know, a good away win we at Sunderland, the home into Palace. But it was kind of quite hit and miss. Um, the, You know, possibly one of the first moments that I started to think this season might be a little bit out of the ordinary was the home win against West Brom towards the end of October when uh, Suarez got a hat-trick, but Daniel Sturridge stole the show with an absolute... Absolutely sublime chip, one of the best I've ever seen. Very fortunate for my position in the ground, I was looking right down the line of it. And the second he hit it, it was one of them that you just knew it was in. And I remember after that game, I think that game, that put a second in the table. I remember thinking, ordinary after a performance like that, you know, a third of the way into the season, you'd be starting to think, could this team have a little bit of a title tilt? But, you know, conditioned by, at this stage, what would it have been, 23 years, 23, 24 years of not really looking close to winning a league, you kind of downplayed that. And the week after, we went to Arsenal, who I think were top at the time, and were quite comfortably beaten 2-0, which was a little bit of a reality check. Um, and so, you know, the, the Liverpool kept ticking over and went into, went into Christmas top of the league. But we're rather unfortunate in that the two games between Christmas and New Year ended up being away matches against the two main title rivals, or who proved to be the two main title rivals, Chelsea and Man City. And both games were lost narrowly and controversially 2-1 after the Reds took the lead. Um so we went into New Year kind of probably should should also mention as well the five nil away win at Tottenham, which I think was about ten days before Christmas. And that I think that that was the match that led to I think I'm sure Tottenham sacked uh Andre Villas Boas yeah. the next day. So they you know they were exactly in, in their in their best moments and nothing like the Tottenham that we've seen in the last few years under uh, Mauricio Pellegrini uh, Pellegrino.
1: Pellegrini. Pochettino. Pochettino, sorry. <laughs> Is that right? Got
0: got, got my Argentinians mixed up then. Um but you know, that, that was, again, another another you know, slightly kind of jaw-dropping, eyebrow-arching result that really I think it's only as the season drew on you're able to look back at moments like that and realise these were the first signs that this was not your ordinary Liverpool flattering-to-deceive type season. This was a season when Liverpool were very much showing that they had the potential to be the real deal. And, you know, <laughs> there'll always be a little, bit of part, a little part of my heart that's very sad that they weren't actually able to go and cement that with a title, but any Liverpool fan that lived through that season, I think, will always put it in one of their most enjoyable campaigns. Speaking personally, I, w- I would say I enjoyed this season more than some of the seasons where we've actually won a cup, even though we ended up, even though we en- ended up empty-handed. This will always be one of my most treasured seasons, just because of the journey that we were on and and the f- and and the unexpected nature of it. It just came out of the blue, really.
1: Yeah, and I mean. I know it's easy to to be biased, obviously, from the Blood Red podcast point of view and and looking at it from sort of the Liverpool angle of things. But uh, I just want to do a bit of of myth busting, really, in terms of great seasons Mm. and and things like that. We all, obviously, as years and time goes on, we all begin to become more and more fond of what has been in the past, and nostalgia takes over. we, We get all dizzy about it. But back in 96. Kevin Keegan's Newcastle United, dubbed the entertainers, yet, and this will probably surprise you to hear this, only actually scored 66 goals that season. Both Liverpool Is that right? Yeah, both, both Liverpool and Man United actually scored more than uh, Kevin mm. Keegan's Newcastle United, who were the entertainers, yet Liverpool in this season scored 101 goals. City did get 102 and obviously did win the league title, but it mm. was just that swashbuckling, free-flowing football that Brendan Rodgers, a young British coach, obviously... Sir Alex Ferguson, as a British coach, had dominated the Premier League in terms of winning it. But other than him, there hadn't really been anyone. He'd now gone. Was Rogers going to be the man mm-hmm. to pick up the mantle as sort of the, the beacon of British coaching? And he just had this side that just played without any fear. And obviously, youngsters all over the show, the likes of John Flanagan, a right-footed left-back by the end of the season. Yeah. Jordan Henderson... Daniel Sturridge and, of course, Raheem Sterling. It was just a a wonderful team that was put together that most people didn't really, at the beginning of the season, have listed as title contenders. Certainly not with the players who ended up coming to the fore, and then went so so close.
0: Yeah, it was. You know, as you said, there was you know at the at the start of the season. I I suppose I, I think you alluded to it at the start. Really, the kind of the momentum was probably generated from the second half of the previous season Sturridge and Coutinho came in in the came in in the january of 2013 and you know, i haven't got the numbers in front of me but i do remember that you know in all the talk and analysis around that time that really in some ways the foundations for 2013 14 were actually set really between kind of like january to may 2013 and it was they only missed out on european qualification really because the first half of the season had been that poor Results wise, I, th- I think we finished maybe fifth or sixth, but the, the, we ended the season very strong. A remember of six 0 away win at Newcastle, a three win away win at Fulham, and there was very much a feeling that with the right kind of recruitment, um, the club could really kick on and hopefully, you know, have have a get back get back into the top four places and hopefully have a decent cup run. Um, you know, the, 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 one of the interesting aspects about it is you. you and obviously we've done a lot of kind of thinking outside the box and trying to be creative in terms of content, obviously, because of the the, the situation we all find ourselves in now. And one of the things we've been looking at, you know, in, in, and you can see on the Echo website, is you know, that the each manager's buys and, and, and transfers and how they were rated and so on. And when you look at, you know, the, 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 the acquisitions during the Brendan Rogers era, really it's only the win it's only the window of January of January thirteenth that you could actually say, Well that was quite successful. That was the one when they brought Sturgeon Coutinho in. The summer of 2013, I think the only players they brought in were Mamadou Sacco, who did okay, I think. And, you know, know, he played quite a big part in in that kind of getting to those two cup finals in in Klopp's first season. You know, what might have happened if he hadn't been subjected to that mistaken drugs test, we'll never quite know. Um, But Victor Moses came in on loan. Uh, Thiago Ilori, a young Portuguese defender who never really kind of made it. And uh, Iago Aspas, who, who started those first three games, the first three one nils, but only really became a fringe player and didn't really feature much for the rest of the season, apart from that infamous corner toward, towards the end of that uh, Chelsea game. Just, just one final point to make as well about about coaching and you know, I, I've heard some Liverpool fans refer to Rodgers as, as that fraud and you know, kind of very much uh, disregard his contributions that season. It was all, all Suarez. It was all to do with Suarez. I've never really kind of bought into that mentality. Um, you know, to, to, in my eyes, he was one slip away from being immortal and, and being the one that, that brought the, the league title back to Anfield after so long. One thing you do have to say, though, is that, you, you you mentioned before Liverpool scored, I think, was 101 league goals that season. Yeah. But they also conceded 50, 5 And I don't know if you can ever win the league with conceding 50 goals. And even if, you know, there will always be a part... Listen, Man City scored... Man City got two more points. So, they, so, so it's hard to say they didn't win the league they, they didn't deserve to win the league, but I find it impossible to say that we didn't deserve to win either because of because of where we'd come from because of the football we played you know, and the reality is you know it's if it's one of them if Gerrard hadn't slipped against Chelsea, we'll never know what might have happened but in in my eyes i' will, I'll always look back wistfully to that season and kind of think. Yeah, that was the one that got away.
1: Yeah, we don't want to mention his name all too much, but we have referred to Sir Alex Ferguson a couple of times, and of course, it was him who famously sort of said, "Attack wins you games, and defence wins you titles." And I suppose that was really the, the undoing for Liverpool in the end. The blood red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I suppose we, we best get on and, and get into the game itself, really, because whilst, yes, it is the, the sort of six years on from that game, it, it isn't quite just this game that we want to talk about. But it was the game in which Liverpool did score the most goals they scored in any single game in that season. Now, I suppose it is the one, really, that defines where Liverpool were. It's Luis Suarez with a hat-trick. It's six goals. It's three against. it It is just absolutely bonkers.
0: Yeah, Um it was one of those kind of matches where, you know, it, it was all a bit unusual. You know, Liverpool hadn't played Cardiff, as, as, as I said, in a league match for, for a very, very long time. Um, and um, we went down there with, you know, with great hope and expectations that, um, you know, the, 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 the great run of form that Liverpool would, would, uh, had been on would continue. But of course, you're also very much aware that Cardiff were fighting for their lives. I'm pretty sure the match at Anfield. Just before Christmas, which was the, the final game before Christmas, um, um, and we won three one to go top, was Malky Mackay's last game as manager before he got sacked. And even though Cardiff competed quite well, you could sense that things weren't right at the club. Um, but they Cardiff came flying out the traps and and took the you know and, and took the lead twice. And I think Leo, you know, if Liverpool certainly were were still living a little bit in their minds off that 3-0 win at Old Trafford the week before, they were certainly given a rude awakening by. Jordan Much and Fraser Campbell, who um, who both you know, much much gave Cardiff the lead on nine minutes. Suarez equalised, and I think once Suarez equalised, we thought, "Phew, a, a bead of sweat off our brow." Right, we can crack on now. But Liverpool went behind again, and um, it was clear that, that that we were in for a bit of a scrap. Um, but the the one thing about this team, that this particular team, I don't think you can say to, to the same extent as Klopp's mentality giants as, as he likes to call them but the momentum the self-belief that they've engendered in this fantastic run was really absolutely coursing through their veins at, the, at, at that point and um, we managed to get ourselves level at half time but went in at 2-2 thinking blimey well this is I don't think this is how anyone envisages this particular game going um, and the, the first 10 minutes of the second half and what I can remember were, were quite crucial really you kind of felt the next goal could have a, quite a big impact on the game. But thankfully, Liverpool got it through Martin Skirtle. And then at that point, managed to kind of edge clear. And the, the, the fourth goal, which came right about the hour mark, I'm going to say it's one of my all-time favourite Liverpool goals. It's a very unheralded one. But I, I can remember it as clear as, de, as, as day in my mind. And it, if anything, it, it summed up the almost telepathic relationship between Sturridge and Suarez and, you know, kind of really underlined the kind of level they were operating on. If I, if I remember rightly, the Liverpool had attacked on the right-hand side through Glenn Johnson, and he put a ball into the box that was kind of half-blocked, and Sturridge kind of running almost towards the dead ball line, uh, away from goal, kind of like towards the edge of the penalty, but towards the dead ball line. Somehow, in his peripheral vision, Managed to spot Suarez right about the penalty spot, and basically backheeled the ball behind him perfectly into Suarez's path, and it was one of those moments where, when you're in the ground, you just know it's a goal it, even before. I, I remember, sh- I remember shouting yes before Suarez even struck the ball because you know I it, it just happened to be following the play at the right moment. It was a genius bit of football. Um, you know, but I, I would be surprised if Sturridge. Has had a finer assist in his career. Suarez banged it home for four two, and I think that was the first moment you started to think, right, we've got you know a little bit of a comfort blanket here, and hopefully we can, you know, we we'll will this should be the point where we go on and, and see the game out, and and that ended up being the case. Um, Sturridge himself managed to get on the score sheet when Suarez returned the compliment uh, fifteen minutes from time to make it five two. Um, you know, again, the, the point I made about conceding fifty league goals, it became five three on eighty eight when Jordan Much got one, um, and then Suarez completed his hat trick in stoppage time to make it six. And you know, I, I'd say another abiding memory of that of that game is coming out of the grounds. I, I, I went on, I went on the coach. I think it was the spirit of Shankly. Coach that was going on in those days, and as is often the case, you know the. All the coaches are parked right outside the away end, and you kind of stumble out the ground. And even though I think it would have been light at that time of year, you're kind of trying to see who's, you know, which, which coaches where and who's who. And I just remember walking around in a bit of a daze, and you know, bumping into random people, you know, and hugging each other, going, "What a game! What a team! This is really happening!" You know, did did, did, did you know we didn't go top after the game? We're just looking now. We're only second after the match. But there were, we may or may not have had a game in hand, yeah. I, I can't remember, but there was very much a feeling that this team is on the march and it's going to take something serious to stop us. I think you know, it's also worth pointing out as well that in this run of you know, early to mid-spring, as these kind of you know, fledgling title dreams started to blossom a little bit in our minds, there was very much the knowledge that both Manchester City and Chelsea still had to come to Anfield. And that was that feeling that even if we weren't top, and i think we i think we did, i think we actually went top the week after i think in the, the midweek after this Cardiff game we we beat Sunderland. bit of a, a bit of a, a um a struggle we've got past them 2-1 at anfield and then on the sunday uh, we beat cut cut beat tottenham 4-0 at anfield quite comfortably to go top with six or seven games to go still very much aware that two weeks after tottenham city were at anfield and two weeks after that chelsea were at anfield and it just felt like the stars were aligning and all the kind of pieces were kind of coming into place for us.
1: Yeah, no, you, you're quite right in terms of all of the teams coming to Anfield as well. Remember that being a big factor in the minds of, of Liverpool supporters, that it was a case of this was all going to play out at Anfield. It was going to be fantastic to, to see that. And obviously the, the City game that did follow was a really memorable one—a three-two win. But in terms of just Liverpool and and how they played, you were sort of saying that obviously not all too much credit was always given to to Brendan Rodgers. And I was just saying it was absolutely bonkers. You do forget actually that this was a really well assembled team in terms of. They, the team knew what they could do to oppositions. Perhaps they were limited defensively, but if they kept the ball away from them defensively, put Gerrard as the deepest player and basically put the ball forward, you had the, the workhorses in the midfield of Henderson and, and Allen, and then Coutinho with his guile, and, and just Suarez, Sterling and, and Sturridge at the top end of the pitch. They were just three players who, as you said, just had that telepathic linking and, and knowledge, as actually shown in that Man City game, right from the start with Raheem Sterling getting in behind if I remember rightly, yeah,
0: it was a fact. Fa- I mean, what what an atmosphere that was that day. I think it was two days before the Hillsborough anniversary. The inquest had just started. Obviously, Liverpool were very much, you know, the belief that this team was going to win the league. They had a real chance of winning the league. The atmosphere in that day was indescribable, really. And you know, as is often the case in these big games, Liverpool managed to kind of ignite it further by getting that early goal. And it was a magnificent goal. Suarez kind of bullied someone off the ball in midfield slipped this wonderful slide we all pass through to Sterling, who showed incredible composure, particularly, you know, which I wouldn't have said, Yeah, this is a great player, Sterling, and whatever bitterness people might have felt since he's left for Man City, you know, I think has certainly dissipated to a certain degree, but I don't think anyone can say he's the most clinical in front of goal, even now. You know, fantastic footballer, though he is. But, um, but, you know, particularly, as I say, in that absolute intense pressure cooker atmosphere, threw on goal, 12 minutes gone or whatever, and he just sidestepped Joe Hart as if it was... Uh, as if it was a kick around in the backyard and and slotted it into the net, um, and and he was a he was a, a real kind of key figure in that kind of running. Um, you know, he, he didn't he hadn't figured an awful lot the first half of the season. I remember that you know there was a fairly abject defeat at Hull right at the start of December, and he didn't really you know he, he looked way off the pace and a bit lightweight. And yeah, you know, I remember having a conversation with someone after the, after that game going, I'm not sure if he's going to make it, you know, because you know he, he'd been around a couple of years and as only you know. It'd, I wouldn't say flattered to deceive, but it had been you know, certainly quite hit and miss. But he really kicked on in that second half of the season. And I've always kind of felt, you know, just to go slightly, go slightly forward in terms of how and why he left the club, you know, I don't think anyone would say that it was handled brilliantly by anybody. And, and you know, did certainly leave a bit of taste in the mouth. But I always felt that the club made a bit of a mistake by at the end of that season, the 20, the summer of twenty fourteen, by not really recognizing his improvements and getting him on a better contract, by all accounts, he started the following season, his final season at the club, on still a fairly, you know, comparatively low contract. Certainly, comparative to his to his growing influence on the side, and you know, it, it's often it often certainly when it, my my formative football years in the late eighties and nineties. I remember a couple of seasons when the team that won the league would often have somebody that kind of came through on the rails in February, March, April, just to give the team that extra little bit of a kick towards the, the finishing line. Ronnie Rosenthal did it for us in 1990. Kevin Campbell did it for Arsenal the following year. And it just felt like Sterling was going yeah, to be that, that kind of player for us. He scored two great goals in the, um, in the Norwich game the week after the City game. And yeah, we, he had a big influence on that side. He just seemed to dovetail perfectly with... Um, with Suarez and Sturridge and you know, they, they were an absolute joy to watch.
1: Yeah, and I suppose, as you say, coming out of the ground in a days that and just being in a way supporter going around the, the country, sort of covering watching this side and just seeing them obliterating the sides as they, they sort of came along, it was that winning run that obviously ended at, at home to Chelsea, but it was a winning run that really just. I suppose when Jurgen Klopp when he came in and said it's about going from dreamers to believers, this was the real time of being those daydreamers of really wondering what was going to quite unfold.
0: Well, it was absolutely. I do remember there was it might have been the week of the City game. Um, you know, by this stage, the the Spy and Cop 1906 fans group were, who were very kind of much well established as the lads that you know kind of coordinates all the colour and the flags and the banners on the cop. And I do, I, I do remember the, the, the kind of pictures that you know, we, are, we absolutely used on the Echo website in the time, at the time, and went went out everywhere. Really, um, some of the lads went down to the training ground, and there was one banner in particular that just said "Makers Dream," and that's what this team was doing on a week by week basis. And you know, the dream was becoming a reality because you know, they, they were they were playing like champions. They were playing like they knew they had to be that the. They deserved to be champions. They felt like champions. Stephen Gerrard gave a very candid interview uh, over Christmas to Gary Neville on one of them soccer box things that he does. And when they t- you know, Obviously, they talked about that particular season. And the difference Gerrard drew between that and the other, you know, title tilts, if you want to call them that, in 2009 and 2002, um, was that in the, those, those other years, it always felt like a bit of a reach. You know what I mean? That kind of like we would have to be almost perfect that every... Every other, you know, everything would have to go right for us. That we were, we were punching above our weight to a certain degree. In 2013-14, it just felt right. It just felt like it was our time. Uh, and I, you know, I think everybody involved with Liverpool—the players, the staff, the supporters—really kind of bought into that. And that's why, you know, when it all came crashing down, it was, you know, it, it was devastating for a while. Particularly, I suppose part of part of that as well was the fact that, you know. I say it felt like our time, and we were there on merit, and we were. I suppose you, you you can't hide from the fact that some of some of our other major rivals were in a period of slight transition. It it was the season after Ferguson left Manchester United; they had David Moyes in charge. Um, Mourinho had only just gone back to Chelsea, I think. I think it was only his first season yeah. back, so they were a little bit hit and miss. Um,
1: I believe it was, was. I believe it was Pellegrini's first it year was, in charge at, at Man City. It was.
0: It was, that's right. I, I was just trying to think, when did he come in? Uh, because um, Mancini won it in 2012 and then left <laughs> after they lost the cup final to Wigan the following year. So, you know, so it, it, the stars were aligning for us. But at the same time, that doesn't mean it's handed to you on the plate. And, you know, this this team saw the opportunity, sensed it and went for it. And, you know, it, it's hard to be critical of them. You know, I, even, even that Chelsea game, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, we got our tactics all wrong and this, that and the other. But you know the reality is Liverpool didn't have to win that game, and if Steven Gerrard doesn't slip, and you know, and I don't say that in any kind of negative way towards him because to me he's still the greatest player I've seen in Liverpool shirt, and was lucky enough to be there for his first goal against Sheffield Wednesday and his last goal against Stoke, and it's very clear again from the from the, this interview he did with Gary Neville that you know he was utterly devastated by what happened, and and it still stings him, and 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 you can sense that there is a feeling that. Of unfinished business business with him because of that, but the reality is, if if that you know if if that miscontrol and slip hadn't have happened, then that game may well have ended up nil nil, and then the, all Liverpool would have had to do would, would have been to win the final two games away to Crystal Palace and home to Newcastle to be champions, and I have no doubt that they would have done that. It wasn't meant to be; it was fate, and you know maybe the reason it wasn't meant to be is that when and hope well if stroke, when stroke if stroke, when Liverpool do are able to get the, the the 3 or 6 points they need to win this 2019 20 title
1: it will feel all that bit sweeter because of
0: you know the heartbreak of 2013 14
1: yeah, and certainly this weight that even has to be endured now Dan but but thanks a lot for, for joining us and going through this I'm sure it won't be the last My time pleasure. we talk about this 2013-14 season I said before about Keegan's entertainers they're kind of looked at as the side who went so close and couldn't quite make it and the romantic side that finished second for me this Liverpool side trumps all of that and are probably the greatest sides to, to uh, other than of course the side that finished on 97 points last year but the way in which mm. this side did it perhaps before it in in before recent history the uh, the real best side to, to perhaps not have won a Premier League title but well, that wraps us up here for, for this edition of Classic Matches on the Blood Red Podcast, we will of course endeavour to bring you more and more of these as time does pass by but thanks a lot Dan K, for your time for, uh, for joining us on the Blood Red Podcast and from myself Guy Clark and until next time, it's bye for now You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo